part of the consultant team working with city staff on this very exciting effort. Um, and we are now at a very momentous milestone um, for this SOG meeting, um, which we're really excited to be here with you all tonight. Um, before we get started, as we traditionally do, if I could ask Lori to go to the next slide, we do have simultaneous live Vietnamese and Spanish interpretation available. Um, we'll go to this next slide here. And I'm gonna ask our interpreters to go ahead and read these slides, this slide for us, and we'll go ahead and get started. So Vincent, if you could please start with the Spanish. Of course. La interpretación en simultáneo para esta reunión se dará en los siguientes idiomas, en español por Jordi y Vincent, y esto está bajo la opción español. Por favor, haga clic en el icono interpretación en su barra de herramientas para acceder al idioma de deseado. La presentación está disponible en español y vietnamita. Vaya a la página www.diridonsj.org diagonal sag y descargue la presentación para seguirla en su idioma preferido. Excellent. Thanks so much, Vincent. And Cui, if you could please read the Vietnamese. Yes. Phiên dịch đồng thời cho cuộc họp này sẽ được cung cấp bằng các ngôn ngữ sau tiếng Việt, Kỳ Anh và Quý theo tùy chọn tiếng Việt. Vui lòng nhấp vào biểu tượng Interpretation trên thanh công cụ của bạn để truy cập ngôn ngữ mong muốn. Lưu ý, trình chiếu có sẵn bằng tiếng Tây Ban Nha và tiếng Việt. Xin truy cập www.dearreadonsj.org và tải xuống bản trình bày để theo dõi bằng ngôn ngữ yêu thích của bạn. Thank you so much, Quy. And with that, I'll ask Kenneth to go ahead and open up those two rooms. And once those are open, we'll go ahead and get started. And for you all to know as well, we do have resources available on the project website. That's also what it said there for folks to be able to follow along. Looks like we are up and running. And now I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to Nancy Klein. Good evening. And um, we're very happy to be here to see you tonight um, in preparing for the meeting that we're all at together. I had a deep feeling of gratitude, gratitude for the SOG and all the work we have done here together for the thinking and the discussion and the generation of ideas and pathways together. The SOG has very much played a leadership role in forging what's important about the Downtown West Project and the DSAP Amendment as well. And the SOG and the community members have given a tremendous amount of time and passion and heart as well. The SOG has set the tone and the direction for the broader community discussion and collaboration. The SOG process has moved the city forward in what we should be doing in listening, in outreach, and in collaboration with our community. And the impacts of this work, the broader community, bringing Google, the community, and the city together has resulted in a community benefits plan that is completely 100% dedicated to equity investments. The funds from the community benefits are proposed to be spent on anti-displacement, homeless services, and opportunity pathways such as scholarships, internships, training, and jobs. It truly is remarkable. 
These community benefits are in addition to the infrastructure, the parks, the open space, the trail, the sustainability goals, the infrastructure uh, that many DAs include as the major focus of their community benefits. What's proposed here is remarkable in that it is completely focused on equity and those people who are struggling from disadvantaged communities. This truly would not have taken place without the collaboration of everyone in this room, the city, those outside and the many other organizations and people who have participated and also with Google, who also has worked to create something extraordinary here. So it's with interest and excitement to, we anticipate hearing your thoughts and comments about the proposal. So thank you so much for being here. Excellent. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Nancy. No, I'm go sorry. right ahead. You, you go. I'm sorry. I, I cut okay. you off. <laughs> okay. I was going to say that the agenda for us for this evening um, is first, as is customary, for the SOG to approve the meeting minutes from November 9th. And then there will be a general process and community engagement update. Then we have a presentation for you on the Downtown West project development and the agreements. And then there will be a round robin of, of our participants and there will be provided a staff response and also SOG discussion. And then there finally will be public comments. And if we go on to the next one. And I believe Lori is going to, or Dave, sorry, yep. you'll step in there. No problem, I'll take it from here. Thanks so much, Nancy, and sorry for jumping in. I'm so excited to get started with this meeting. <laughs> I, I jumped the gun. Uh, so as you all know, SOG members, before we get started with the meeting, we always do an approval meeting minutes from the previous meeting, um, which was back on November 9th. So if I can get a first and second, we can get that piece out of the way. Motion to approve minutes as submitted. Thank you, Edward. Do we have a second? Second, Baker. Thank you, Jason. Excellent. Um, so with that, just as a reminder, kind of as logistics, as Nancy just mentioned a second ago, um, we will go through all of these different agenda items. We will also get to public comments at the end, and I appreciate you all being patient with us. I do see a hand raised, but we will get to public comment towards the end of the meeting after we have the discussion um, with SOG members, as we traditionally do, and we'll talk a little bit more about how that's going to work. But Generally with the round robin, we're gonna ask you to use the raise hand function and we'll be able to facilitate the discussion that way as well as the Q&A as we move forward. So as we go on to the next slide, you all have seen this many times before, but we have our group agreements. Um, and just as a reminder, uh, we always like to create a safe space. We wanna provide opportunities for everyone to speak and have their perspectives heard. We wanna put each other in each other's shoes um, and ask questions for clarification when needed. Uh, if we go on to the next slide, I always like to get to the most fun part, which, which is have fun, which I really do feel like we've done through this process. But ultimately it's, it's the work together, which we've, I think, done a phenomenal job of, and that's what's gotten us to the stage here today. Um, so just a quick reminder on that front, um, as you all are well aware of now. So 
Um, and with that, we'll go ahead and transition to the next slide. Um, so with public comment, there's plenty of opportunity um, to pr provide public comment as we go through the process here tonight, um, including on the project website. Um, so when we get the public comment, as I mentioned earlier, there will be the hand raise hand function. The code of conduct for public meetings, as you all are fully aware, um, will be enacted here tonight as well. So we really appreciate you being respectful. Uh, but then again, on the project website, if you go to deerdonsj.org forward slash contact, there's a bunch of opportunities there, contact forms and contact information to provide additional comments. Uh, and then all of the videos from this meeting and summaries from this meeting will also be posted to the project website as we traditionally do. So I just want to make sure we make that note. And if we go on to the next slide, I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to Lori to get us started. Awesome. Thank you, Dave. Uh, so my name is Lori Severino. I'm the Deardon Program Manager for the City of San Jose, and my main responsibility is the, to manage the Community Engagement Program. And so I've been uh, with the SOG for three years now and know most of you and want to just reiterate the thanks that Nancy uh, said. And um, basically, this for this process update, I'm going to keep it very short and for the benefit of any community members that are tuning in as their first uh, SOG meeting, I'm going to provide just a few slides of brief background information and an update on the engagement process. So I'm a little out of my element tonight. I'm using a different computer setup than I normally do and I'm screen sharing at the same time. So we'll just make sure I don't screw up too badly here. Waiting for it to change slides. There we go. Okay. Too far. Knew that would happen. Okay. So first here's a map of the major projects affecting the Deardown station area, which generally includes the part of downtown west of 87 and north of 280. The blue dot symbolizes the Deardown integrated station concept plan, which is a partnership between the city and transit agencies to expand and redesign the station and track approaches. The Deardown station area plan uh, adopted in 2014 by the city, covers the area outlined in orange. The city is currently in the process of amending this plan, as well as preparing an affordable housing implementation plan for the Deardon area, and a downtown transportation plan covering the area shown by the dashed line. Google's proposed downtown west project is shown in green, and other development sites are shown in yellow. So the Downtown West project has had several major milestones, including application submittal in October 2019, and most recently completion of a staff recommended draft development agreement, which was, of course, the subject of tonight's meeting. So the city released draft plans for the Deardon Station Area Plan Amendment and the Affordable Housing Implementation Plan last fall, and is now preparing to take all three projects through the public hearing process this spring. So since early 2018, we've been managing an extensive process of seeking, receiving, and considering community input to guide these efforts. There have been five major rounds of outreach and engagement between 2018 and last fall. And during this time, we've made an extra effort to reach all segments of the population, with the SOG being very central to this process. And so we can't thank you enough for all of the time, energy, and ideas that you've contributed. Your input has made a big difference. 
So here is the public involvement tracker since last, last September. And this includes 28 events at which the city discussed one or more of the three big Deardon projects underway. The focus of that round was on getting feedback on the draft amended Deardon Station Area Plan and the draft Affordable Housing Implementation Plan and the draft Downtown West Design Standards and Guidelines and other project documents. So the summary of the fall 2020 round of Deardon Station Area Engagement is available at deardonsj.org backslash fall 2020. And these are the top 10 themes from all of the input we received. So at the top of the list were questions and comments related to transportation. So we worked with one of our seven community-based partners to host an event in March addressing these topics. We've also been meeting with neighborhood leaders to discuss design policies for new buildings under the Deardon Station Area Plan and how to make them compatible with adjacent residents while still achieving the overall vision for the area. So uh, the, there will be a virtual community meeting this Saturday, which is the best way for community members to provide comments on the draft development agreement. And here are the dates for uh, the public hearings when the planning commission will make recommendations on the amended Deardon Station Area Plan and Downtown West Project and when the city council will consider approval of these two projects, as well as the Deardon Affordable Housing Implementation Plan. And for those that cannot attend tonight's meeting or Saturdays, there's also the option to submit comments online at deardonsj.org backslash downtownwestda. We will provide all comments received to the staff team working on these projects, as well as planning commission and city council. So please let me know if you have any questions by email or during the discussion period after the staff presentation, but I'm now going to turn it over to Rosalind Huey. Thank you so much, Lori. Good evening, members of the SAG and members of the public. Rosalind Huey, Deputy City Manager. It's a pleasure to be with you this evening. We've been long awaiting this meeting date to provide you with a quick update on the Downtown West Project and more specifically uh, to share with you uh, the development agreement. So first, I'm just going to kick it off with just a brief introduction, um, overview of the Downtown West Project. So next slide. So here we are. Um, this uh, slide shows the Deardown Station area plan boundary, as well as the Downtown West project um, boundary, 80 acres out of the 250 acres within the Deardown Station area plan. Next slide. So um, this slide is uh, an illustrative massing, which reflects the development program in the Downtown West application, which includes about 7.3 million square feet of office space, 4,000 homes, 500,000 square feet of active uses, which includes retail space, cultural space, arts, and educational space, and about 15 acres of parks, plazas, and open space. Next slide. So the city's review um, of the Downtown West application involves um, three pathways. First is development review, which includes things like design standards, zoning, and city policy analyses. Environmental review, which included preparation of an environmental impact report. 
And the development agreement, which includes the negotiations of community benefits and other terms of development to give both the city, um, the community and Google certainty. Next slide. So there are many different um, documents um, involved in the Downtown West development proposal. Um, I mentioned previously on the left of the slide here, you'll see all of the components of the development review, which includes the general plan and DSAP amendments, the plan development permit, infrastructure improvement plans, and the plan development permit. Um, I mentioned regarding the environmental review process that did include uh, impact report. Um, staff have um, responded to public comment. Um, and the environmental review also includes a mitigation monitoring and reporting program. And then the development agreement uh, includes community benefits and project features, um, including affordable housing, parkland agreement, and business terms. Next slide. So we wanna share um, how the project review has um, evolved over time. And as Lori mentioned um, previously, you know, this goes back to 2018 uh, when the city established uh, the station um, area advisory group. Um, also, um, the city uh, uh, established the memorandum of understanding with Google. 2019, we saw uh, Google submitted the Downtown West um, application proposal. In 2020, uh, last year was a big year of community engagement. Um, uh, even though we were in the midst of the COVID pandemic, we were still um, able to do a significant amount of engagement, online surveys, virtual meetings. Um, and then, of course, this year, uh, we have received updated application submittals from Google. And tonight, we're here to talk about the staff recommended draft development agreement. Next slide. Lori also previously shared, you know, the amount of engagement um, that we've conducted with the community and with the SAG. So dozens of SAG meetings, small group meetings, community meetings, um, online surveys, pop-up events. Um, so we're really glad that we've had this opportunity to engage the community. Next slide which I think shows, you know, how we wanted to use a variety of engagement tools and strategies. And so there was a mix of methods and opportunities for the public to participate. Thought it was very important to reduce barriers for public participation. And again, that was because we wanted to use different strategies. So, you know, the pop-up event, virtual um, engagement, uh, online surveys, um, we were really pleased that we were also able to partner with seven community-based organizations um, to also conduct a specific outreach um, in our community. Next slide. So now I think I am turning it back over to Nancy Klein. Thank you so much, Rosalind. That was really great. And I just wanted to add that we very much know as a team, we can keep getting better about how to include more and more people. And that's really an important part of our work here. Um, we're taking you uh, for a moment just a, a, on a stroll of memory lane. And what you'll see here are a listing of the MOU shared goals that have been 
part of what the community spoke about and was in the were in the uh, the MOU from 2018, and the things that you see here have been consistently important to be included in what are the recommended draft documents to you tonight. Uh, balanced development, the opportunity creates broad job opportunity to enhance and connect the public realm. All of the things you see here are consistently important to how the project comes to life. Next slide, please. Here you see that we're really forming what is the equitable development framework for the project. The, we, we, we internally jokingly say the first 10 items that were most important are affordable housing, affordable housing, affordable housing, affordable housing, because it is really important. Um, and with that community stabilization uh, with a focus on anti-displacement and affordable housing preservation, looking for new tools, hopefully to be possible like land trust, um, and many other pieces of intensive work that the housing department has brought forward uh, for how to help us think through how to achieve our goals. We also find it really important to talk about opportunity pathways. And by that, I mean education, jobs, training, scholarships. What, what we know and have listened mostly to many of you here tonight is that we have to have affordable housing and jobs. We, we have to give the ability or assist in the ability for people to, to grow in their work, to take on work that is hopefully meaningful to them and that can take care of their families. And with it, the, the fourth pillar of employment and small business opportunity. And again, at the heart of it is San Jose residents and focusing 100% on disadvantaged communities. Next slide, please. Oops, there you go. Um, thank you. We, we wanted to show you in pictures the many other things that are accomplished in the plan um, and in what is to be built. Uh, one is the preservation of structures within to, to keep the, the heart of, uh, and history of what is in the Deardown and Downtown West area. The natural environment to enhance it, which has been very important to ensure that there's pedestrian accessibility and activation, that there's art, great design, and much more. Next slide. This is a slide that you have seen a couple of incantations or uh, reinvigorations of. And, and here we are in three big segments. There are several or three sources of public benefits. The first one is the baseline, what every project has to deliver on. From streets to baseline affordable housing to infrastructure, these things can and are in this project uh, of, of public benefit that will bring a better, more sustainable uh, location and environment as well as beauty and shade, et cetera. In the, in the second circle, we have community benefits and those are, are these items that we're gonna focus on in a little bit. 
that are to have been and are negotiated based on the value created by council actions and taking project feasibility into account. And then there are the many, many project features, which include things like art, district systems, additional infrastructure, accessibility uh, amenities, et cetera. Next slide. This is really a very busy slide, but I, we refer to this as sort of the spark notes or the cliff notes to the development agreement for community benefits. On, beginning on the left-hand side, we, we want you to know that there, these are unprecedented public benefits. And, and just it, as I began to talk about this, I wanna emphasize that in many other similar or, or comparable development agreements, a ton of the community benefit dollars are expended on parks or sustainability or uh, additional job goals for things like local hire. Um, and we wanna tell you that all of those elements are in this document and the public benefits are in addition to, above and beyond all those things that are already baked into to the development agreement and to the entitlements. On the left-hand side, we have always heard the council with the community input guiding that of 25% affordable housing goal. And that is achieved in this plan. That's the intent. We exceed the city's baseline for inclusionary. The key we find refreshing here is that Google will dedicate over the life of the project four sites. And many of you know that is incredibly hard to get sites. That is often what holds us up. So to have four sites in downtown West is incredibly pos positive. There'll be a thousand units of affordable housing across a variety of incomes, many focused at 30% AMI or lower. We hope to achieve roughly 40% of 30% AMI or lower. And then one particular item of note, which is really great, um, is the early delivery of land to accelerate affordable housing. So in a short period after final approval of the project, Google will transfer a site to the city, which is actually in the northern area uh, to the north of SAP. And that will give the city the opportunity to move forward quickly with affordable housing. And that's the best way to, to deal with, or one of the best ways to deal with anti-displacement or ensuring that we're not generating displacement. In the second column, you see that there is a hundred and roughly 155 million that will go into a community stabilization and opportunity pathways fund. And we're gonna tell you more about this. And some of you may know a little bit about this in, in looking at the documents, but this is a very unique, we truly have looked throughout the state and in other, uh, other states, and we have not been able to find another fund that actually puts the decision-making in the hands of the community. So we're really excited about this. Um, and we'll tell you in a couple slides more about how the fund is proposed to be governed and what the makeup of the community is on that committee. Another piece as part of the uh, community benefits is an early payment 
of $7.5 million, again, shortly after the final approval of the project. And that we will have some notions and council will hear your input and then they will decide how that 7.5 million is allocated. Will it be to community stabilization and job readiness, other strategies for um, preparing on the fund or pre-development work for um, land trust. There's a lot of different options, but having the early dollars allows us to get a jump start on the work. In the area of leadership and sustainability and resilience, the project as part of its base requirements exceeds uh, what is required for open space for 15 acres of parks and open space and trails. There's an innovative district systems approach which is very progressive on achieving net zero goals, as you see in the next point. There's also $30 million for transportation and additional ecological enhancements and historic preservation. And then in the last column, what we're really focusing on here that overall, this is a $200 million community benefits amount and well over two thirds with 155 million is completely finally decided on by members of the community. Next slide. And that would be for Rachel Vanderveen. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Nancy. So my name is Rachel Vanderveen and I am Deputy Director of the Housing Department with the City of San Jose. And I'm going to take some time to talk about the housing aspects of the development agreement. So as the SAG is very familiar with, and um, as Nancy mentioned, and the community brought to, you know, has brought out in lots of conversation, a clear priority is the need for affordable housing as a part of this downtown West project. And so um, the MOU stated that the development agreement for the downtown West project would strive for 25% of the proposed housing to be affordable. Stakeholders have supported the three P's approach to providing a comprehensive affordable housing plan for the area, including housing production, preservation and protection strategies. For the first time in our city's history, an affordable housing implementation plan was developed alongside the DSAP plan providing research, measurable goals, and strategy that the community will use to meet the affordable housing goals for this area. Next slide, please. The proposed development includes 4,000 new housing units and 7.3 million square feet of office space. In order to meet the city's requirements under the inclusionary housing ordinance and the commercial linkage fee, Google will be dedicating three sites to the city for affordable housing development. We'll be building 170 moderate income housing units dispersed within the housing that is built and we'll be paying $87 million in commercial linkage fees. Additionally, Google will dedicate a fourth site for affordable housing development at the beginning of the development process and we'll be providing an additional 30 moderate income unit, units, bringing the total of moderate units to 200 across the development. 
The value of the four sites for the affordable housing development, 200 moderate income units, and commercial linkage fee payments total $183 million in affordable housing contributions and pave the way for 1,000 affordable units to be built across the development. Next slide, please. This image shows the proposed development and with um, highlighting the affordable housing in a tan, or actually all the housing is, is um, a tan color. The 200 moderate units will be incorporated into the housing development as it's built. The four sites dedicated for affordable housing are indicated with a darker shade of tan and the Autumn Street site is called out on the right side of the image. You can see here that the affordable housing will be spread throughout the entire project. And that concludes my section of the presentation and I would like to turn it back to Nancy. Sorry about that, couldn't get the mute off. Um, so this is a summary again of what the MOU, the SOG and additional members of the public had said about economic opportunity, a real desire to help residents of all skill and education levels, support education of local youth and adults, make sure we're thinking about and assisting small businesses, and look at progressive hiring practices and focal, focus on local hire, and that pay construction workers a prevailing hourly wage. And to that point, uh, early estimates are that there'll be 5,700 construction jobs and the payroll throughout the project for those 5,700 workers will be over a billion dollars alone. Next slide. The fund that we have been talking about, 154.8 or roughly 100, uh, 155 million is to be referred to as the Community Stabilization and Opportunity Pathways Fund, or the future guiding committee will rename as appropriate. And the way this is funded is uh, contributions are made as the office is built and $21.20 per gross square foot will be contributed once buildings have begun. Grants are allocated to the programs over time through a community-led process and committee, which referenced before and will be further described in a bit. And again, uh, mentioned earlier is the 7.5 million early payment that could go for job readiness, anti-displacement, um, job programs that are, or other city programs, which are already in progress that could get a jump start and help people immediately. Next slide. A little bit more about the thinking around the fund. The goal is to minimize displacement. And it's also intended to maximize opportunity for local youth and adults. There wants to be created a new thinking and a bridge between these two areas because they're so inextricably linked. Using a systems-based approach, 
that focuses on measurable outcomes, solely focuses on serving low-income or disadvantaged people in key areas of the city, and that the intention is to address root causes of displacement and seek to provide economic mobility and to advance racial equity. Next slide. Again, it's, it's a lot, so we were wanting to make sure we were taking a little bit uh, different cuts to, to flesh out what thinking went into the development of the notion. So again, from the point of view of community stabilization, what programs and services can help mitigate any displacement or prevent displacement, address homelessness and homeless services, and the stabilization of small local businesses. And on the job and education and training side, look for programs and services that help youth and adults, could be scholarships, early childhood education, and again, small business and entrepreneurship support. Next slide, please. Now, the community-driven process would create a new model and it would empower residents of impacted communities to invo be involved and truly their voices to be heard, making final decisions on where those grant dollar goes. They would we will strive to ensure that there's a clear data-driven framework for establishing and evaluating how the fund is doing so we learn over time and that there are appropriate checks and balances and transparency so people understand and can see uh, what the fund is uh, spending dollars on and how that's being achieved and allow for flexibility so that as strategies and tactics become clearer and change that the fund can be adaptable. It's not locked into a certain structure. Next, please. So this we hope, this we find really interesting. So to ensure that there's a mix of perspectives and, and experiences and people with expertise and training in, in certain areas like maybe San Jose State or other nonprofits, which are um, key to our community in providing services, we will pick, the, the, the council will choose based on the criteria you see before you, five individuals with lived experience of displacement, homelessness, experience with these um, situations. And there will be eight people with technical expertise in serving those areas. It could well be that there are eight or a portion of the eight technical expertise uh, individuals which have also had lived experience. So there's the opportunity to focus on living or owning a business in San Jose or having a history of conducting very meaningful work in San Jose in relevant areas. And that the, the goal here is to demonstrate a commitment to furthering the city's goals, the community's goals for racial equity, for education, workforce development, and more. And the committee is going to be structured to reflect the racial and ethnic diversity of San Jose. 
And it's key to mention that the city will not have a voting voice on this committee. There will be three city representatives who are ex officio or advising members, but not voting members. And Google and potentially other representatives from major funders will also have uh, an advisory voice. And we do intend to create this fund um, in a way that hopefully attracts others because it's achieving, because it's done differently, done in an in a appropriate way, including the voices of the local community, and that will be seen as doing good work, effective work. And so we'll attract, attract additional dollars over time. Next slide, please. So a little bit more, because this, this is a lot, we know it. So we thought we would try to take a, a, a cut at this by a, a graphic to show you how the fund formation and grant making process would take place. So we begin at the top with the city adopting an ordinance that creates the community advisory committee based on the criteria we, we just went over. And then with the committee, the city, with again, the committee is part of the advisory panel, selects a third party fund manager. So there will be an independent group hired by the council, but working directly with the committee. And the committee and the third party fund manager work to create a five year strategic plan with the city council. So the council is directly involved in setting out the aspirational goals, the strategies, broad strategies for how the fund will do its work. And then the fund manager is to work with the committee to prepare requests for proposals for grants, to administer the grant application and assist through the evaluation process. And for those of you who are familiar with the uh, transit occupancy grants, the arts grants. This is, this is not an uncommon, this part is not an uncommon structure. And then the fund manager goes through all of that process and then brings forward the recommended grant recipients to the committee consistent with the strategic plan. And it is the committee that sorts through the qualified grants applications and determines who will get the grants and what is the emphasis that is, is uh, achieved from the five-year strategic plan. And I just noted again at the bottom, the $7.5 million of early payment, and then the $21.20 paid per gross square foot of office, which is again, roughly the 7.3 million square feet of office that's intended in the plan. Next slide, please. And in addition to all of the things that we just went over with the fund, there will be prevailing wage for on-site on construction workers. Google has agreed to a 30% local hire goal for on-site construction. That is the same goal that the city sets for itself. No other private entity has, has agreed to that as yet. There'll be ongoing collaboration with the Work to Future Board and good faith efforts to hire local residents. Beyond that, Google is stepping up to support disadvantaged businesses through the goal of 10% inclusion for commercial office building construction contracts, as well as 
working with vendors, ongoing work uh, to secure service contracts, et cetera, for office buildings. Then Google has, by their own practice, uh, an immense employee volunteer and mentorship program. We will look forward to weaving that into all of the other uh, community and uh, benefits, stabilization, anti-displacement work mentioned previously. They also, on their own, Google provides career development workshops for underserved communities. And there will be ongoing monitoring and reporting for all of that so that the community can see what the initial goals were and what was fulfilled on over time. Next slide. And with that, I am turning over to Nicole Burnham. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Nancy. I'm Nicole Burnham, a Deputy Director in the Department of Parks, Recreation, and Neighborhood Services. So I'll walk you through uh, the parks and open space portion of the, the proposed development plan and development agreement. Uh, through the outreach process that, that was conducted, we certainly heard a lot of interest from about parks and open space. Um, in particular, there was key interest in making sure that the spaces proposed here enhance connectivity both within the Deridon area, but also out to adjacent neighborhoods. We also heard a lot of interest in completing the Los Gatos Creek Trail to the maximum extent possible. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, we also wanted to, to strive to ensure that the proposed parkland included at least as much public park space as what had been planned in the, at the fire training station in the 2014 Deerden Station Area Plan. And the community also encouraged us to, to be creative in finding ways to manage, maintain, and activate public realm that could be inviting for all and welcoming um, and, and, and enhanced um, beyond what we normally see in our public spaces. Next slide. So here is the proposed open space plan. And uh, just for orientation, right is to the north on this. And you can see the SAP Center almost in the middle of the slide. And you see Deerden Station and Cahill Park. But just it's a different orientation than what you saw on other slides. So um, wanted to take a minute to, to walk through that. Um, the proposed open sp space plan calls for 4.8 acres of city-dedicated public park. This includes approximately one half acre of land that will be used for off street Los Gatos Creek Trail alignment work. Um, the spaces are distributed throughout the project area. Um, they're shown in dark green on the, on the figure that's shown here. That 4.8 acres is what will be used to fulfill the project's parkland dedication requirements for the base 4,000 units that are proposed. In addition to the 4.8 acres, there's 10.2 acres of land that will remain privately owned, but will contribute in various ways to enhancing public life in the Deerden area. The next slide, I'll tell you more about that. Lori, thanks. Uh, so the 10.2 acres um, is called out in the development agreement documents and in the project application as project sponsored open space. A little bit more than seven of those 10.2 acres will be subject to a restrictive covenant that will ensure public access for these spaces. And of that seven acres that will have covenant, um, the restrictive covenant, four of those will be publicly accessible parks. Those are spaces that will look and feel and act like public park spaces. There are hours of operation that are in rules and reservable areas that are all outlined in the development agreement. Um, 
The remaining three acres of that seven are associated with Boscatos Creek and its riparian corridor, which we think are really important parts of the public realm to protect that, that, that space and preserve it for nature and educational opportunities. We think that's critical in the urban park system. Um, and the remaining three acres of the 10.2 are that that would not be subject to the restricted covenant are mid-block passages and semi-private open spaces that really serve to enhance and accentuate the public realm. And they, these would look and feel similar to what we have at Paseo San, de San Antonio that connects Plaza de Cesar Shark, um, the Plaza de Cesar Chavez Park to San Jose State, right? So you've got that Paseo that's paved with restaurants on either side. So that's the remaining three acres. And that summarizes the park and open space section. And I'm going to turn it over to Jessica Zank, who will talk through the transportation elements of the project. Great. Thank you, Nicole. Jessica Zank, Deputy Director for the Department of Transportation. And just like Nicole did, I will start with what we've heard uh, through this process over the last number of years. For transportation for access and mobility uh, is about creating great places to walk and bicycle. Much like Nicole said, it's also about the connections, the connections, of course, to Deridon Station, but also the connections to the broader downtown, to adjacent neighborhoods, and to the open space network, the trails, et cetera. It's also been clear through the community process that um, the community also wants to see this area contribute to our ambitious reduction of dependence on car travel goals. Part of that is about really smartly managing car parking so that it's efficiently used and it's shared. And that that parking, if you go to the next slide, Lori, is also part of our key strategy to provide convenient access to the arena in an ongoing fashion, as well as the circulation network. Next, we also think it's incredibly important and agree with the community that public transit be affordable, be truly seamless and functional for all users uh, throughout the, the Deridon area and the project, and that we're building in flexibility to allow for future mobility options. Connecting again is another theme, and in particular, we wanted to call out the ways in which it's really important to cross barriers like 280, also 87, the 280 to, to connect the Gardner neighborhood, North Willow Glen to the Deardon Station area. And also to make sure that movement is safe and effective and efficient during the construction time period as well. Next slide, Lori. So to that end, there are a number of requirements that um, have been uh, incorporated for the project that um, amount to about $30 million of improvements identified through the local transportation analysis. Um, this local transportation analysis is part of how we meet state congestion management program requirements administered locally by the BTA. And it also helps us understand at a broad level the ways in which um, the project can address any negative um, outcomes for, for local communities from a transportation perspective. So a key set of findings and connections uh, through this local transportation analysis have been about whole complete street improvements, not only along the project frontage, but also extending beyond that for this $30 million uh, along Barack Obama Boulevard, across Burden 280, um, connecting to the Gardner neighborhood, also support for some of the key transit projects recommended in the Deardon Station area plan, 
improvements to light rail, improvements to bus service along Santa Clara Street in the Deerdot Station area um, as well. Multimodal improvements, these are things like along Osray Avenue, sidewalk and bicycle trail gap connectors. Again, as I mentioned, there are other pockets that are specific to addressing the state congestion management program as implemented by BTA. And very importantly, we've also reserved 10 of that 30 million for the future focused operational uh, transportation analyses that can only be done when we understand more about the design of individual developments, the placement of driveways, signalization needs, et cetera. Next slide. We also, as I mentioned before, wanted to, to pick up on this shared publicly accessible parking and how we could maximize the use of that parking for people who are employed in the area, using Deeradon Station, and of course, going to SAP Center events as well. And so one of the requirements for the Downtown West Project is that at least 4,000 spaces at full build-out be publicly accessible, priced, um, so that they can be used by all those different people over time. The project also allows for up to 4,800 parking spaces, but it requires that 4,000. Residential parking is also um, included in, in the requirements, and, and key there is that we don't want the cost of a parking space to be hidden within the price of a, of a development. Rather, it's important to lower housing costs for those who choose to live without a car, that they be able to choose whether to rent or buy their parking spaces. Uh, last two components here. First is the transportation demand management plan. This is also a requirement for the project that single occupancy vehicle trips can only represent up to 35% of the travel um, to and from the Downtown West project. Um, we think that that's an aggressive but achievable goal. There will be penalties for non-compliance of up to $5 million a year. So we're taking this very seriously um, per our city's goals. Neighborhood parking and, and traffic intrusion or monitoring plans are also in place to make sure that we can identify and address any parking spillover or neighborhood traffic intrusion issues. Next. The project itself also has uh, significant improvements to the streets in the project along the frontage of uh, the different development sites. In total, that's over five miles of multimodal transportation improvements along the streets um, in the Downtown West project. These include uh, streets with uh, lovely tree canopies to make it easy to walk, protected bike lanes so that people feel very safe from other traffic, as well as other features like dynamic lanes. Some of those are used flexibly for space. Some of them are used um, intended for additional event-related traffic, et cetera. There's also significant electric vehicle charging station requirements. And again, those dynamic lanes that I already mentioned. Next. Finally, um, is that the development agreement is also an opportunity where we've been able to reinforce the memorandum of understanding goal about our ongoing collaboration, not only the city and Google, but also with the other Deeradon integrated station concept plan partners. 
It's VTA, high-speed rail, Caltrain, and the Metropolitan Transportation Commission. So you'll see that there are various provisions in that, including a transit project buffer zone, where we understand the, the potential future rail needs and station needs, and have outlined that and made sure that um, that, that transit project buffer zone can be respected so that we're maximizing development, open space, and leaving the room that we need for the Deerdon integrated station and associated rail improvements. We also have specific provisions on how temporary construction easement, the long-term use of open space um, that's next to the tracks today, and could extend, as you see in this picture from Miami, could extend under the tracks. That's the vision that's in the Deerdon station area plan as well as codified in the development agreement. Next slide, I'm turning it over to Rosalind. Great, thank you so much, Jessica. So environmental sustainability, district systems and ecology were another key component um, outlined in the MOU and included uh, in the project. And so we want to advance the city's sustainability goals in the Climate Smart San Jose plan, including reducing greenhouse gas emissions. We want to adhere to LEED gold or platinum standards for green building. And we want to be a model for eco-district planning, design, and implementation. Also, we want to collaborate in considering a district-wide program of shared utilities. And we want to restore and enhance the wildlife habitat, water quality, and provide flood protection of the creek corridors. Next slide. So how are these goals incorporated into the project? And so there are city requirements as well as project features. So on the city requirements, um, the project uh, will be in compliance with San Jose green building codes and other green regulations. As Jessica just mentioned, the project includes a transportation demand management plan, as well as other CEQA mitigations. In terms of project features, they include over 4.25 acres of enhanced riparian habitat, net zero emissions for construction and operation over 30 years, over 2,200 new trees and 100% native plant palette, replacement of the San Fernando Bridge to reduce flood risk, and the project also includes all electric development. Next slide. So Google has also proposed district systems within their 80-acre project site. Uh, the infrastructure plan would include a microgrid for electrical distribution, wastewater treatment with recycled water network, an optional garbage and recycling collection, and district heating and cooling. And the district systems approach provides many benefits, such as protection from rising utility costs, backup power for essential services during grid outages, making room for more green areas that enables access for physical activity and social gatherings, and a renewable future relying on carbon-free energy. 
And all of the aspects of the proposed district systems approach was um, presented in a city council study session on March 25th. Next slide. Uh, preservation of historic resources within the project area was something um, also of significance and uh, important. Um, and we want to preserve and integrate uh, the historic and cultural assets into the project design to reinforce the identity of the area. And the project delivers on several historic preservation objectives, including retaining and repurposing several historic structures as, such as the San Jose Water Company, the Kearney Pattern Works and Foundry, relocating Victorian bungalows along Julian Street and relocating um, the beloved Stevens Meat product sign and salvaging and incorporating the facade of the Sunlight Bakery building. Additionally, other historic resources will be made available for others to purchase and relocate and Google has committed uh, to support those relocation costs to offsite locations. Um, and there will be relocation of other buildings, in, including structures on Autumn Street. So next, I'm going to turn over the presentation. I think it's back to Nancy Klein to speak more about community benefits. Thank you very much, Rosalind. And we are coming around the bend to the very end here. You'll be um, happy to know. Um, we have said consistently that in, term, in determining the value of community benefits, we really look to how uh, we measure the value of the council actions that increase property value for Google. And we promised in the MOU to take into account the financial feasibility of the project because we only receive community benefits when the project actually gets built. Um, there are a number of things that aren't to be considered as community benefits. So everything, again, in community benefits are above the cost of CEQA or project elements or features that are proposed by Google, as you've seen, uh, at part of their own election to be in, in the project. And then we don't count the cost to meet the standard city requirements. Next slide, please. This is a um, summary of both the dollar value and the cost per square foot of, of how we calculated the $200 million. And you see the roughly $155 million uh, in community stabilization and opportunity fund, the early payment for job readiness, community stabilization, there is acknowledgement there of additional community benefit for moderate income homes that will go into the project in a mixed use form, mixed income form. And then the, the land transfer for that fourth site that I was mentioning, it's 0.8 acres to the north of SAP. And baked within the $200 million, there, there is $22.3 million that we're going to ask council, of course, as they're listening to the community, to recommend how that $22.3 million should be allocated. Um, and because we know as, as staff, 
we've listened and we've worked hard, but there are going to be other things that council wants to emphasize. And so the $22.3 million is available to um, provide for those other payments. Next slide. Might have gotten stuck. Are you seeing the timing slide, Nancy? Now I am. Thank okay. you. Um, so the Community Stabilization and Opportunity Fund, those dollars, as mentioned earlier, comes to us as office gets built out, more particularly at temporary certificate of occupancy for each building. And then the early payment for job readiness comes 120 days after final approval. The additional moderate income units, those are mixed in with market rate development, so they're mixed income projects. That land transfer that was mentioned comes again 120 days, uh, sorry, three months after the final approval, so it's coming as soon as possible. And then the currently unallocated $22.3 million that I mentioned also comes in as office gets built. Next slide. This is also a busy slide, but we wanted to give you more particulars that go into these numbers. We, we wanna share the IHO land dedication is, is $40.5 million, the moderate unit production, costs are $39.8 million. There'll be uh, $87.6 million in commercial linkage fee that's attributable coming from the project. There'll be parks and open space at 56 roughly million dollars. And then the transportation improvements that Jess talked about at $30 million. So the city requirements are uh, tallying up to about $254 million for those city requirements. Then we have discussed the community benefits up to the, the $200 million amount. And then you see the voluntary project features, which is the 10% construction for um, disadvantaged business, the 30% local hire, 10.2 acres of privately owned, publicly open space, 4,000 housing units, multimodal transportation improvements, net zero energy and infrastructure is over a billion dollars. So it's, it's 1.25 um, in terms of project and requirements before you get to the community benefits. Next slide. The development agreement, um, the, we're, we're touching base here on some key aspects of the business terms in the development agreement. The development agreement is a legally binding and enforceable document. There will be an annual review and that's heard by the planning commission. The city cannot force Google to build, but the development agreement does include performance standards. So Google, we're asking uh, by the 10-year mark, if not before, to achieve 2 million square feet of office. And by 20 years, 4 million square feet of office. We, we of course, hope that happens more quickly. But 
there is a trigger here and that's important to make sure that we're working hard to get something actually built. And if the, the square footage isn't built, then we can ask for and Google must pay the associated community benefits of those two or four million square feet of office in order to retain the vested rights of a development agreement. And lastly, and important here is, in addition, Google is limited to transferring their office and development rights to others um, so that no more than 40%, that you can't transfer more than 40% of what's already be cons been constructed. Because it's very important to us that we did this deal with Google, community did this deal with Google, and so we wanna try to make sure we're working with Google as much as possible. Next slide. You saw this slide before of the four pillars of our equitable development. And here we put some of the numbers that you've already heard in the presentation, the affordable housing dollars, the community stabilization fund, the 155 million. And you see that on both corners for the stabilization and anti, uh, sorry, opportunity pathways. And then small business opportunity, for example, with the 10, 10% uh, minority and disadvantaged business, as well as local hire requirements. Next slide, please. And there's a very um, engaging presentation that Google had done with Gale Architects that's on uh, the, the Google website uh, that discusses the social infrastructure plan for the project. And with that, I'll turn it back to David. Oh. I, I, I skipped a slide, sorry. There will be a, a development agreement community meeting this Saturday where the substance of what we're discussing here is, is going to be um, uh, presented to a, a different set of community. And then there'll be an online comment form where there actually is already a comment form on Deardown SJ. And then staff will summarize the input and the uh, information you're providing this evening and from the community meeting, and we'll provide that to the planning commission. And then we'll also include planning commission comments as we go and uh, to council. So council will understand what the community has been saying. And again, the public hearings for the planning commission is targeted to April 28th, and we're tentatively scheduled for project review uh, at City Council on May 25th. Next slide. And so we're, we're going to ask and we're going to break up into groups and we're hoping you'll share with us your sense of the strategies, the programs, the outcomes. How would you wanna see that $7.5 million spent for early expenditure? And what are your thoughts about the Community Benefits Fund concept, including how the third party manager is structured currently and the composition of the Community Advisory Board? Next slide. That is actually, I think, when I'm gonna jump in here, Nancy. Uh, thank but you, th but Thank you so much. Great presentation and thank you all city staff members for a phenomenal presentation, nice pace. I hope everyone was able to kind of follow along with all the great information shared. Um, so as we mentioned earlier during the agenda, this is now 
most important part of this evening is to hear from you all as SOG members. I do see there are a couple hands raised by members of the public. We really appreciate your time, but also appreciate your patience. We will get to public comment um, and we'll provide you all with plenty of opportunity to provide your input as well. Um, but I hope you all had a chance to kind of review the questions as Nancy mentioned them. I think we're gonna go ahead and stop screen share now so you all can see each other. And then we're really just gonna open it up for what we're considering a round robin where I would love um, for you all to initially just give us any feedback, questions or comments that you have. And I'm gonna challenge you and ask you if you can do that within about a minute or two because there's so many of you SOG members, but I, I guarantee you will come back and have a larger discussion as well after the initial kind of thoughts are shared. And then as Lori mentioned, this isn't your only opportunity to give input. Um, there's obviously emails that you can continue to send in with any questions or comments. There's a comment forms and other opportunities, but we really want to create a space to allow everyone to initially provide some feedback uh, and then have that discussion to follow. So I'm going to stop talking now and ask you all if you remember how to use that hand raise feature. It should be at the bottom of your window, actually pretty simply just says raise hand or in your participant window. If you click that, it'll raise your hand. It'll let us know that you would like to provide comment and then I'll call on you and you should be able to unmute yourself. So who would like to get us started? Excellent, okay, John, you're up first. And just as a reminder for all SOG members, for the members of the public, if you could please state your name and the organization you represent before you make your comment, that would be great. And I'm gonna be a stickler and try to keep you that two minutes, but I really hate to cut you off. So if you can kind of keep this initial reaction brief, that would be great. Sorry, John, you're up. Thanks, Dave. John Gustafson, Senior Vice President, Shark Sports and Entertainment. Uh, for years, Shark Sports and Entertainment has supported the city's vision for the Deer Dawn Station area. And in 2018, SSC and the city signed a letter of intent to work together on a city's development goals for the area, with the understanding that the city would protect access and parking for SAP Center as required by the arena management agreement. We also agreed to let the city grant Google an option to purchase SAP Center's main parking lots, A, B, and C, subject to our future consent. We believe and we still believe that the Downtown West project can coexist with a successful thriving arena. Over the past two years, we have given the city and Google numerous specific comments about how they can proceed with the project while preserving adequate access and parking for SAP Center and protecting our customers from construction impacts. Unfortunately, almost none of our requests to ch changes were incorporated into the project entitlement documents. We are still analyzing those documents, but we believe the city and Google are currently headed down a path that would be devastating for the future of the city's arena. SSC congratulates Google and the city for how far they've come to create a bright new vision for the Deer Dawn area and how impressive community benefits plan they have presented in the draft development agreement. However, this development cannot be allowed to proceed at the cost of the arena's future or the Sharks franchise in San Jose. We are committed to continued discussions with Google and the city to incorporate changes into the project and protect the arena, but SSC cannot support the project as currently proposed. Thank you for the ability to comment. Thank you for your, for your time, John. And we'll have a chance again to follow up and uh, answer any questions or follow up after this initial pass. Um, so next we're gonna go to Jeffrey followed by Maria. So Jeffrey, you're up. Yeah, uh, Jeffrey Buchanan with uh, Working Partnerships USA. Um, I, just on behalf of certainly myself and, and my organization and, and all of the partners that we've been working with for years on this, on this project, want to just you know offer our strong support for this project and the community benefits package that was outlined here today. I think 
Uh, for all of us as members of SOG, we've seen how far that this, this, this set of conversations has evolved. And I think the, the strong community benefits package we saw uh, is because the city and the Google team listened. Uh, they worked, they iterated, uh, reviewed best practices, engaged with so many in the community and came up with what I think is, you know, really a, a model for the development in the tech sector around how to address the issues of displacement and how to not just not just to put money at a problem and throw money at a problem, but to really, really think intensely about what kind of power structures can help those in the communities most impacted by displacement to have a voice in co-developing those strategies. And so embedding racial justice, you know, having both uh, economic opportunity and anti-displacement activities within this fund, it's, it's an enormous opportunity, I think, uh, for us to do something here that that hasn't been done before and, and directly addresses the chief concerns we've heard from the community over these past four years. In terms of the early money, I think it would be very smart for us to invest in anti-displacement strategies, particularly around supporting pre-development uh, of community land trusts. Uh, thinking about now with the kind of eviction cliff facing many in our community, uh, providing access for, for uh, legal services for tenants facing evictions, uh, and, and possibly also support for tenant education uh, to ensure that as many people as possible in our community can access some of the uh, uh, state and federal resources that are available uh, to prevent eviction. Um, but thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. And thank you all again for keeping your comments brief. Thank you so much for that. Uh, we're going on to Maria and then to Kiyomi. So Maria, you should be on unmute yourself. Sure. Hi, everyone. Maria Noel Fernandez with Silicon Valley Rising. Um, and first of all, just want to really share appreciation to the team that's worked so hard to get us to where we're at today. Um, four, year, four years ago, when Silicon Valley Rising heard about the project, I think uh, you know everyone knows that we responded immediately to the concerns, worries, priorities, and vision for what the project could really look like for, for San Joseans. And we jumped feet first, um, door knocked, phone bank surveyed, held town halls, developed research, held actions, and then held more actions um, and to make sure that we were really uh, responding to what we were hearing and that decision makers were really listening to the concerns about displacement and our vision for how this project could bring economic opportunity for all. And really, you know, like actually Jeffrey said, be a model for projects, not just in our region, but in the country. And I think what we heard today and the information that's been shared around this agreement has made really clear that the people responsible for the project have listened. Um, and I, I even want to be more direct than that and that, you know, we're here with such a strong community benefits package because of the thousands of people who showed up, who turned out, who shared their stories and perspective and because Google's team really did listen. Um, and so I want to appreciate that um, in this moment. And then also really want to echo um, in terms of the early money coming, coming forward. Um, I think what the organizing the last four years have taught us is that um, tenant education and organizing has to be a priority and something that we really hope that this money mm -hmm. goes towards and especially in this moment where um, millions of dollars are going to be coming down for rent forgiveness we need tenants to really understand um, what resources they are able to, to reach to get to so appreciation and um, really kind of an applause for all of the work of so many people on this call and so many people behind the screens um, that got us to this to this agreement. Thank you so much, Maria. Thank you, 
Uh, next, we're going to go to Kiyomi. And then, Charlie, I think you had trouble getting the raised hand. So we'll go to Charlie after Kiyomi. So, Kiyomi, you're up next. Thanks. Um, I'm Kiyomi, and I'm the lead housing policy attorney at the Law Foundation of Silicon Valley. Um, we're very excited to see this, um, this development agreement. Um, we engage ourselves in a community lawyering model. And so we agree that the community really should be at the helm of uh, the decision making um, around the fund. Um, particularly the community that this fund intends to serve. They're in the best position to, to determine priorities and assess the effectiveness of investments into their neighborhood. So really happy to see that. We're also really pleased to see that the fund is focusing on anti-displacement. Um, as a legal organization serving low-income neighbors, we've seen COVID just exacerbate and highlight our housing deficit and how it disproportionately impacts um, our residents. So just to quickly illustrate we helped about 4,874 people back in 2020. That is an increase of 21%, um, and it is rising. Um, a third are families with children, and two-thirds are women. And the hardest-hit zip codes in our overlap um, with the areas hardest hit by COVID, so that is that is no coincidence. So we really thank um, the city and Google for their hard work, and we look forward to seeing this DA move forward. Thank you. Thank you, Kiyomi. Thank you so much. Uh, next, we'll go to Charlie, then followed by David. Charlie, you're up. Charlie, can you hear us okay? Oh, Charlie, I think you might have frozen. We'll come right back to you. Uh, David, why don't we go to you next, and then we'll come back to Charlie. Okay, great. Uh... Thanks, Dave. Uh, David Meyer, Silicon Valley at home. Um, just really wanted to express our organization's strong support for the housing components that were uh, presented as part of the Downtown West proposal. Um, really want to thank the city and Google for all their hard work on this DA and on those housing components. I think those these 4,000 new homes are hopefully going to really help jumpstart other housing development that we want to see across the station area and are key to creating that vibrant neighborhood that I think everybody wants to see. And I think really most importantly is that the Google, the Google has worked with the city to figure out how to meet the established 25% affordability goal. So we're going to see a thousand new deed-restricted affordable homes. Uh, you know, we're overall supportive of Google's approach of combining some on-site uh, units with dedicated parcels so the city can reach deeper levels of affordability and bring some of those affordable homes online as soon as possible. So because of that, we're really excited to hear about this first parcel being made available very soon after the project approval. We really think that'd be a great opportunity to potentially leverage some Measure A funds to get to the deepest levels of affordability and really kick off our affordable housing here with, with homes for some of our most vulnerable neighbors. Um, in terms of the community benefits package, I think this is gonna be a tremendous resource to respond to needs of tenants, support community protections, preservation, and to help counter uh, displacement pressures. So we're really glad to see that. We're confident that through this process, we can create and maintain critical affordable housing resources beyond Google's footprint. And really that kind of brings me to the last thing I just wanted to say, which is that even though we're not talking about it today, we're strongly supportive of staff's proposed DSAP amendments, which we believe are gonna help us get to our 15,000 new home goal for the entire station area. Plans are great, but we know this is going to take ongoing work and city support to continue to promote residential development and affordable development across the station area and in this uh, proposal itself. So 
you know, staff's work on the affordable housing implementation plan, solid foundation, but it's gonna take continued city commitment, community engagement to meet those overall 25% affordability goals and stabilize surrounding neighborhoods. So, you know, this is kind of the end of the beginning. We're really committed to continuing to be engaged in this process. And, uh, you know, we think Google is gonna be a partner for the long haul and this is a great beginning. So thank Thanks you. Thanks so much, David. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for that. Uh, Charlie, I wanted to see if you were able to unmute yourself. Are you with us, Charlie? Oh, Charlie, we'll come back to you. Might be having some tech issues there. Uh, let's go ahead and go to Kelly and then followed by Jason. Kelly, you're up. Hi, I just want to say I'm Kelly Doyle from California High Speed Rail Authority. And we just want to recognize the collaborative nature of this whole process. And we appreciate seeing the commitment that's been made to TOD in um, the plan. This really aligns with high-speed rails statewide policy of providing housing around their station areas. We know this isn't the finish line and we all have a lot of work left to do, but we do look forward to continuing to work together so that we can um, implement both our project and other projects successfully in the Dardon area. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you so much for that brief comment. Appreciate it. Uh, we're going to go to Jason and followed by Sandra. So Jason, you're next. Thanks. I wanted to just start out by thanking staff for the presentation. This has been a, a long road and is a lot to explain clearly. I thought staff did a very good job of, of doing that. Um, and it's not easy to do. I'm very excited for this agreement. It's, I'm glad we've reached this milestone. I think the community benefits are well thought out, uh, both in substance and also in timing. Um, that early land and, and payment for job readiness and community stabilization um, is, is well thought out to address the problems and prevent problems like displacement that could otherwise um, be caused by a project like this. I think one of the other things that gets lost yeah, with all the benefits and all the kind of good things in this is the, the focus on connections. This um, proposal does a great job of working on connections, you know, bike rail pad, open space, connecting neighborhoods. It's clear that the city and Google have thought a lot about that, um, and I appreciate that. And then I wanted to uh, lift up what Maria Noel Fernandez said about um, the project, people responsible for the project, the city and Google, listening um, to what people said. I think that staff's presentation where they started with, here's what we heard, and then here's what's coming, I think made that point very well. Um, uh, Regarding the composition of the community advisory board, I think it's very important that it has community input and lived experience input. That's a good move, but also that it has expertise and having both those categories will help encourage future partners. And, and that's what that fund is about, is it's designed not just to be a point in time, but it can grow and be contributed to later um, and really be a continuing resource for the community. And finally, I, I do hope there's some way to work with the sharks to try to come to an agreement um, that everybody can live with on that front as well. Thank you so much, Jason. Uh, next, we'll go to Sandra, followed by Rev Ray. Sandra, you're up. Hi, Sandra, Rev Ray, uh, SAG member from Plant 51. We are the complex right next to Beardon Station. And uh, the whole time, our residents have been very excited about this um, project. And, and we have had great support from both city staff, Department of Transportation. We just met with them recently. And uh, thank you, Jessica. And, um, and Google representatives have walked the neighborhoods with us. Uh, again, we're gonna go back to connections um, to piggyback on what Jason said. 
just to make sure that um, you know our impact zone over here is even though it's outside of that DSAT boundary that there are, I, I think it was, uh, the wording was perfect, traffic intrusion issues. <laughs> and as we define those, yes, we want more biking and walking and all of that, but we do have bottlenecks already on uh, Laurel Grove and Bush. And uh, with that east-west corridor going through one of the major uh, station routes right there at the south end, we just wanna make sure that um, the, those are continued to be monitored and considered moving forward. And, and we appreciate and are confident in that as we, as we have already seen in the past experience of having been listened to and then um, uh, changes occur after that. So we just very much appreciate that and, uh, and we're very excited about it. So thank you. Thank you, Sandra. Thank, thank you so much. Uh, we're gonna go to Rev Ray and then Charlie, I see you're back. So we'll go to you after that. So Rev Ray, you're up. Uh, thank you. I'm Reverend Ray, Executive Director for PACT. That's People Acting in Community Together. Um, I want to thank all of those that we have been in collaboration with and conversation and dialogue, uh, but more so listening. Uh, as you see in this process, listening has been the pathway forward to finding solutions. So as we move forward into this second round and the approval by the city uh, relational to um, the initial fund allocation, um, I want to stress the importance of the consideration for community land trust. Community land trust can continues the process of which uh, allowed us this pathway uh, of dialogue and solution and resolution. Uh, the community uh, land trust allows the continued listening and empowerment of people within the community. Uh, people have the ability uh, to act. Uh, people have the ability to define, define the, the situations and control the outcome. People are empowered uh, by development. So the, the initial first round allocation, placing the power in the hands of the people continues to build a trust engaged dialogue and positioning. And more importantly, uh, the community land trust allows us the opportunity to continue to center the voice of the people. It allows us to continue to center the voice of those mostly impacted. And a PICO principle that we follow at PACT is those closest to the pain are closest to the solutions. And then we continue to stay within the lived experiences of the people. So we applaud these efforts. We hope that the consideration for the first round of allocations um, are uh, within the community land trust, which centers our voice and continues the process of listening. Uh, thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you so much, Reverend May. Thank you for your time. Uh, next, we'll go to Charlie, followed by Nathan. Charlie, you're up. Charlie, we see you, but we still can't hear you for some reason. <laughs> Sorry, Charlie. We'll, we'll come back again, Charlie, and see if we can get you on here. Or if you want to email in your thoughts, I'm happy to read them for you if that's easier. Maybe we'll go that route. Um, next, we'll go to Rick Nathan, followed by Melissa. Nathan, you're up. Perfect. Uh, good afternoon, Nathan Olshear, Director of Policy and Operations at the San Jose Downtown Association. Firstly, profoundly commend Google City staff, your leadership, diligence, patience, and partnership on this development project. Uh, we know this is an intricate process of incorporating not only downtown West, but Deardon's area station plan and with competing interests at times. So no easy feat, but much appreciated to getting us to this point. Um, we've been proponents of the downtown West project since day one, as, as some uh, city staff know. And this has been a heavy private investment uh, that we think San Jose has garnered in 
will go well beyond um, the benchmarks that have been set by the city's requirements. And so housing open space, greatly appreciate the updates uh, that have been presented tonight. And ultimately will be a paradigm, we believe, for other cities uh, in partnership with Google. So this is a great start. Uh, we are glad to see the connectivity from downtown west to downtown. It's being consistently considered. So uh, thank you, Jessica, and everybody else on that. It's very important. Uh, the $10 million set aside as well, the LTA or transportation analysis is also going to be important as the project uh, progresses. Uh, while San Jose Downtown Association is predominantly a business-focused organization, we do understand and agree it is imperative to include several systems that support business, such as the housing, jobs, training, transit, everything mentioned here tonight. So as uh, Nancy Klein said earlier, affordability and work are important factors, and uh, specifically with an unprecedented public benefit investment. Uh, that said, under the community benefits priorities, a specific item that we're uh, of interest is the education, job training, and employment opportunities, um, which includes support for small businesses. So I would like to mention San Jose Downtown Association does have over 30 years of uh, and has built a foundation around supporting small businesses with hundreds of business members in the downtown core. Um, our acumen and expertise in small business support and development could lend us to be a key partner in this uh, business stabilization endeavor. Um, and so out of the 7.5 million coming out of COVID, I think retraining, training the workforce to be ready uh, will be paramount and uh, bolstering current business operations uh, throughout downtown and downtown West is gonna be very important. So uh, once again, thank you Google city staff and our San Jose community for providing the feedback. Now I need to unmute myself. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks for that. Um, next, we're going to go to Melissa followed by Sarah. Melissa, you're up. Thank you. Uh, my name is Melissa Torrezon speaking on behalf of the Santa Clara Valley Transportation Authority. Uh, we want to commend the city, Google, and the scores of community members for their collective commitment to drive a thoughtful and responsive process to address multiple priorities that have come up during this multi-year community engagement process resulting in a very substantive draft community benefits package. Um, so we just wanna show our continued support and willingness to be a partner in seeing the success of Downtown West, DSAP and the Duradon Station as an equitable and thriving transit-oriented community. Thank you for the time to provide our comments. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks so much. Uh, next, we'll go to Sarah, followed by Kathy. Hi, Sarah McDermott. I'm the political director of Unite Here Local 19. And I really want to start off by acknowledging our members and union members and working people and community members who have showed up throughout this process, come to these meetings, had actions, made their voices heard because at the end of the day, Google really listened and the city listened. And I believe that is why we have an amazing agreement here that has so many benefits for the community and for working people. So not only has Google committed to community benefits, but they've also made commitments to, uh, to make sure that we have high quality blue collar jobs from the people building this campus and the future service workers who will be working on this campus. And that's gonna make a major difference in people's lives. Uh, my question throughout this process that you're all probably um, tired of hearing me repeat over and over again is, will the people who build and work on this campus be able to live in San Jose? That's really been my guiding question throughout this process. 
And I'm so glad to see that we have an agreement that uh, addresses that on several fronts, on the job quality front, on the housing front, and with the community, community stabilization uh, front. So um, I just wanna once again, thank everyone for making your voices heard and uh, Google and the city for listening because I think we've really created something special that can be a model going forward. Great, thank you so much, Sarah. Uh, next, we're gonna go to Kathy, followed by Edward, and then it looks like a final speaker is Laura and Charlie. I did get your email and we'll read that in as well. So Kathy, you're up. Thank you very much. I'm Kathy Sutherland and I live in the Delmas Park neighborhood, which is entirely within, or basically within the DSAP. Um, I wanna first thank Google and city staff for coming together to bring a development agreement of this caliber. And to be real honest with you, I always thought we would get here. Um, I thought that we had willing partners on both sides and I am delighted and anxious to welcome Google and the new development it brings to my neighborhood soon. Um, what I would like to say though, is that Google is setting the standard. Their development standards for design, infrastructure, fee structure, and community outreach are top notch. I would like the city to require the same thoughtfulness and standards for all developers within the DSAP area. This is an area that is benefiting from Google. The value of development is gone up because of Google. And I think that developers should be held to the same standards. And you, you, I don't wanna, scenario where you walk down the street, one side of the street, you can see that it's Google, the other side of the street, not so much because the amenities aren't there. So I'm hoping that every developer who comes into this DSAP area develops to Google standards. And one of the things that I heard that just caught my ear was there was mention of project feasibility. And, um, and to me, that's Feasibility is based upon how, how strong the um, finances are for the developer. Do we want, I think we should just say, here's, here's what you need to do. You figure out if you can get there. Because if you can't get there, maybe you're not the appropriate developer for this area. This is a high impact area, a lot of visibility, a lot of money is coming into this, but there's also gonna be a lot of impact to the neighborhoods. And I think that the city should set standards and then hold all developers to those standards. Because given the fact that they're gonna be within a stone's throw from 80 acres of Google, if that one developer can't make it, others will be able to. So please, please make sure that the design standards apply for the whole DSAP. Thank you, and thank you, Google, and the city for getting us here. We're so excited. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thanks for that. Uh, next, we're gonna go to Edward, followed by Laura. Uh, thank you, Dave. Uh, Edward Salm, Shafter Hanship Park Neighborhood Association. I mean, uh, as an architect by training and the soon to term out chair of the city's historic landmarks commission, I'd like to second Kathy's and Asandra's comments. The downtown West design standards, infrastructure fees and community outreach should be the, the norm, not the exception. If we hold other developers to a lower bar, we're going to have kind of a very two-tiered development here instead of something that should be community and city serving and of top-notch 
quality. On a related note, though, the mayor mentioned in a Facebook Live broad broadcast that the historic Deardown Station Depot is going to be relocated. Uh, can we get a clarification on that? Since until now, this has never been explicitly said, and the question has more often than not been dismissed as, well, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, as a Shipna board member, volunteer, and a DANG member, I appreciate Google's willingness to work with the neighbors up to this point. And I believe that we've laid the groundwork to create a long-term positive working relationship with all area stakeholders. DANG also appreciates Google's contribution to new and existing parks and the programs that will clearly benefit the diversity of the broader community. To be clear, broader community needs to substantively include the adjacent neighborhoods within the Deardown area, not just council members' wish lists. I'm thankful for Dang's ability to represent those without a paid full-time voice at the table, and Dang looks forward to the next phase of community engagement. Thanks so much, Edward. Thank you for that. Uh, we're gonna have a chance to have a kind of a, a response and follow up by staff, so we'll get to any questions that might've come up. Um, next, we're gonna go to Laura. Laura, you're up. Thanks, Dave. First of all, thank you very much to Google for this amazing community benefits agreement and all the obviously very, very hard work by the city staff to get us to this point. This is truly a momentous occasion. And I think all of us on the station area advisory group are very happy with what we see here today. And I'd just like to say that uh, those of us in the surrounding neighborhoods really appreciate Google's willingness to work with the neighbors. Um, and they've really laid the groundwork for creating a very positive long-term working relationship with all of the area stakeholders. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for that. Uh, we've got a couple extra hands raised here. Harvey followed by Kevin. Harvey, I was anxiously awaiting your hand raise. I was surprised it wasn't <laughs> earlier. <laughs> uh, all right, thank you. Uh, I want to first thank Google. Um, as I've said to uh, you individually, as you toured our neighborhood, I wanted to work with you because I see you as a master developer, uh, par none, uh, that could come into this area. Having been part of the Deardon Good Neighbor Committee for over a decade, uh, we've been working on this uh, when it was supposed to be a ballpark area. And um, <clears throat> you've come up with a really good integrated plan. Uh, as you know, my uh, uh, forte has been on park and parkland and trails. And I think we've got a good start. Uh, I think there will be some additional money set aside that uh, we can hopefully use in the surrounding neighborhoods if we can't find <clears throat> available land in, within the full SAG area. But like Kathy said, I think that we want to make sure that the standards that Google is setting for this uh, portion of the project is applied to the other 160 plus acres of land within the uh, DSAP and that we uh, create the same kinds of standards for parkland and uh, uh, affordability and um, uh, integration of all income levels within the area. Um, so again, thank you. Thank you to staff. And um, we look forward to working uh, for on further iterations of this because we're just starting. This is the, the 10,000 foot level where you've got to get down to the nitty gritty. And I'm, I'm happy to be on uh, uh, the dang 
to help work with you uh, to work for the neighborhoods. Great, thank you so much, Shari. Uh, next we'll go to Kevin and then I'm gonna go ahead and read um, Charlie's email and then we'll move forward here. Kevin, you're up. Hey, yeah, thank you. Um, Kevin Christman, uh, Gardner Neighborhood. Um, I'd like to thank Google um, for all the time that they took to, like Harvey said, walk our neighborhood, talk with us, get to know us as people, and uh, come up with something that includes us uh, in their design scheme. And I do hope, as Kathy says, that um, other developers will be held to the same standards as Google. Um, that being said, on some of these reports, or, or the report that we heard today, there seems to be different funds. And um, I would like to make sure or have some assurances that these funds don't uh, get lost in the paperwork um, and in the institutional memory that happens because when one council uh, leaves and another another council member comes in or different council members, different mayors. Um, a lot of the things that were promised, a lot of the monies that have been supposedly earmarked for specific things get forgotten and switched around. And I'd like to uh, know more from staff how they might be um, overseeing all these different funds and make sure that What's meant for housing stays with housing. What's meant for parks stays with parks and uh, transportation and all, all the different funds that are going on. Uh, other than that, thank you for your time. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all turns out. Thank you so much, Kevin. Appreciate that. Um, so I'm going to now speak for Charlie Foss. Um, so pretend I'm Charlie. So hi, I'm Charlie Foss, the CFO at San Jose State, and I've been on the SOG since the beginning. San Jose State has been downtown San Jose's largest employer, largest landowner, and the public university transforming student lives in San Jose and Silicon Valley for over 150 years. San Jose State would welcome Google's presence in downtown San Jose to further transform the city into a destination where all of us can work, live, play, and grow. Special thanks to Alexa, Ricardo, Kim, and Nancy, and many others for getting us to this point. So thank you for that, Charlie. Um, and with that, thank you all again for being with us throughout this entire process and all the time and commitment you've given. It's been amazing and, and so great that we're able to get to this point here together. Um, with that, I wanted to give uh, city staff an opportunity to comment or respond to maybe a couple of the questions that came up during that conversation. Um, so who would like to start? Or I could pose a question or two. Nancy, I see you unmuted. Would you like to start? Sure. I, I would really, first of all, very, very much appreciate the thoughtful comments and also just a sense of accomplishment together. Like I started out really feeling gratitude for what we're doing here, because there's good work. Um, I wanted to touch on a few things and I know my colleagues will, will enhance or, or add to those comments. Um, Kevin, I wanted to make sure you knew that the development agreement is legally binding and there will be an annual performance review that goes to planning commission. 
and that the specifics that you've heard are embedded into the DA. So I invite you to read the DA, although that's like 140 pages. And then there's exhibits, which are another 140 pages plus then the ordinances, but you, there's, a, there's an index so you can get to where you wanna go. But we share your concern um, and we need to be, make, to be able to make sure that as staff changes, as councils change, the development agreement is implemented as was approved in the community intended. Um, beyond that, I really appreciate the thoughtful uh, comments on the 7.5 or the 22.3. And as Lori and Dave mentioned, um, the, this is really valuable for the council, again, to, to consider in their deliberation. So these comments will be brought forward and summarized. Um, and there will continue to be, and, and Rachel is on, I, I think she may speak more to the affordable housing, a, a tremendous amount of work being done on anti-displacement, additional city policies, working as many mentioned about moratoriums and how, how the, the surplus gets, uh, not surplus, sorry, but the, the um, feds dollars from the stimulus that come in. Um, so there will be an intensive ongoing effort on this topic. Also wanted to touch, touch base that, that staff acknowledges as well that this project raises all boats, that it has raised the bar, whatever other analogy you wanna make into what we expect and what is possible, right? Um, so tremendously appreciative and agree with those comments. And um, to, to John Gustafson, who very much admire and respect, um, have worked a long time with John and a long time with the Sharks and nothing has changed in the fact that the Sharks are incredibly important to San Jose and there has been and will continue to be an extensive amount of effort done by Jessica Zank and her team uh, and all the rest of us on working to find very solid ways for patrons to get in and out of the arena to make sure that the arena functions well. Um, it is not by any means an afterthought to, to staff and there will be a, a continued amount of work to make sure we can do this well. With that, I'll, I'll ask any of the other city staff who, who have other items that you like to to. to Thank you, Nancy. I might go to Jess next uh, to speak about the depot relocation. Jess. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and Nancy said correctly just how much we value the Sharks as partners and, and we will absolutely continue to work through those things, I think, as Jason Baker um, said, so that we can come to a place where we're all really happy with the future of the area. So thank you, Nancy. And then, Ed, to your great question. So um, the... The historic depot is a gem that I think the city recognizes very much. Um, I know I, I used it for many years and I um, love it and I think it, uh, many of us do. And for the DISC partnership, the conceptual engineering and planning work that we've done to date has um, showed us enough to understand that we have to really think about whether the station can be a through running high capacity train station 
with the amount of tracks and the amount of platforms that that requires, as well as retaining the station where it is. So it's actually one of the very next pieces of work that the DISC partnership is tackling in our program of projects is to really get into a lot more detail about what our options are for retaining the station, retaining it and relocating it, reusing it in some other fashion, et cetera. We have not done that study yet though, Ed, so I, I have to admit that that's a future piece of work um, getting going this calendar year uh, to really outline that process and what the feasible options could be. So I'm, I'm sorry to not be able to say we figured it out, um, but I think it is extremely important to us and we've definitely heard that through this process. Thank you. Great, thank you, Jess. Um, so I think we addressed some of the questions that came up. We also had allotted some time here for any follow-up questions um, that you all might have as SOG members before we go on to next steps and public comment. Um, we did hear from uh, probably a majority of you, or at least half of you, any others, folks that would like to ask a question or comment at this time before we move forward? You could use the hand raise, you could open, oh, oh there's Harvey. You could wave at me too if you want to bring your video back up, Harvey. I see your hand. You're up. Okay. I, I wanted. I knew, uh, it was mentioned, and I forgot in my comments to thank the sharks because I've been working with the sharks organization for way over a decade, and they really have worked uh, well with the St. Leo's neighborhood to uh, work on the traffic management plans. And I think we really want to support them in making sure that uh, the traffic management plan allows them to do what they need to do and get their patrons in and out. And then also, I'm looking at it from my viewpoint as a North Willow Glen neighbor, when I want to go to Whole Foods, it's very difficult to do so. So I want to make sure that all the traffic management is done in a way that is equitable for not only the sharks, but also for the surrounding neighborhoods. Excellent, thank you, Harvey. Thank you for that. Okay, um, I don't see any other hands or waving, so I think we are going to go ahead and move forward here and amazingly somehow back on track and maybe even ahead of schedule. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen. Hopefully you all could see that okay. Um, so what I wanted to kind of quickly walk us through is a couple next steps items that are coming up and then also, as I mentioned earlier, open it up for public comment. So members of the public, uh, if you would like to provide comment, we're gonna give two minutes each and we'll get back to that here in a second, but I wanna give you a chance now if you wanna go ahead and start your hand raising. Uh, and again, that's going to the little hand at the bottom of your screen or through your participant window. If you are calling in by phone, simply dialing star nine, we'll get you access to that as well. And then I'll go ahead and call on you and unmute you and you'll have an opportunity to speak here shortly. Um, so as has been mentioned a few times here tonight, uh, we just wanted to uh, let you all know that there is a community meeting coming up as well, um, where particularly members of the public, you do have two minutes tonight, but you'll have a great opportunity there if you'd like to come and meet with the team. And we're gonna have a similar presentation, but we're also gonna break up into small groups and allow plenty of opportunity for folks to give feedback. So we really encourage you to join us this Saturday at 10 a.m. Um, and there is an online comment form, as, as Lori mentioned earlier, um, on the project website at deerdonsj.org forward slash downtown west DA. 
So I would recommend you all checking that out as well for more information and also an opportunity to provide comment. And then as mentioned earlier, planning commission meeting is coming up on April 28th, followed by a city council meeting tentatively scheduled for May 25th. Um, on the project website, we've been pitching this from the start. There's a chock full of great information, including um, information about upcoming meetings, recording of all the presentations that have been done today, um, access to all the draft plans from the DSAP to the downtown West project to the affordable housing implementation plan is all there. Um, and a ton of great background information. And again, a chance to sign up for additional email updates. Um, and then as mentioned earlier as well, the Google's downtown West site is g.co forward slash San Jose. Also um, great information there. And lastly, if you did have any follow-up questions or comments, you could always email Lori at lori.severino at sanjoseca.gov. So I just wanna make sure that you all knew all about that and additional information that you can share with us. So with that, we're now gonna to move to public comment. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, this is run very much like the city council meetings are. So we really wanna um, make note that we're not gonna accept any disparaging comments or uh, remarks against individuals or groups. I really would hate to have to mute you, um, but we'll have to if we go down that road. So we really hope you don't. We've been all very respectful today, so I don't anticipate that happening. Um, but again, just a double mention again, you could also provide comments through the contact forms on the website uh, and, and see all the great information that's posted there. Um, one thing I didn't mention earlier is four members um, that are with us that are either Spanish speaking or Vietnamese speaking. We do have the interpreters interpreting live right now and you're probably in that room. Um, if you did have a comment that you would like interpreted for you, we could definitely provide that for you. We'll bring one of the interpreters out of the room to do that. Um, so I was gonna initially ask you all to maybe raise your hands first, but um, we're gonna kind of go on the fly here. And if there is someone that needs that service, we're happy to provide it. So as I mentioned earlier, if you could please keep your comments to two minutes, I will have a timer here on the screen. I would greatly appreciate it. And we'll move through this fairly efficiently. Um, so I'm gonna start with Paul Soto followed by Gavin. Uh, Paul, you should be able to unmute yourself. Uh, my name is Paul Soto. My name is Paul Soto. I'm from the Horseshoe, which is considered North Willow Glen. I have 15 ancestors buried in Oak Hill Cemetery. My father lived in a tent in Sasipuedes. The Chicano community has not been articulated explicitly within the context of these conversations. The Chicano community, my parents suffered in the, the dehumanizing conditions in Sasipuedes. My mother was beaten in San Jose Unified School District for speaking Spanish, for being Mexican in these school districts. I do not speak Spanish as a result of that. That has not been articulated clearly. Somos does not speak for the Chicano community. Working Partnerships does not speak for the Chicano community, nor does the Silicon Valley Rising speak on behalf of the Chicano community. I speak on behalf of the 15 ancestors that experienced the deprivation of ancestral wealth that Google is sitting on right now. The Google property that is sitting on right now that it bought from the city is not legitimate, and here's why. The redlining policies from 1937 articulated that area. It explicitly bound 
Mexicans and blacks in their deeds from that area, which means that the racist policies that develop that area make that sale illegitimate because Mexicans were deprived of two things. Number one, due process of law. Number two, equal protection under the law. It is under those two violations of the Constitution that I make my claim. Also, the entire suffering that they lived in Sasipuedes, which fomented the largest civil rights movement in Mexican history, which was the 1965 March on Delano. None of those organizations speak on behalf of the Chicano community. I speak on behalf of my ancestors. This deal, no, this is not going through. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate your time. Thank you for that. Uh, and definitely, uh, just as a reminder, please do come out to the community workshop. There will be plenty more opportunity to provide input there. Um, next, we're going to go to Gavin, followed by Roland. Gavin, you should be able to unmute yourself. Hi, thank you very much. Uh, Gavin Laurie from Catalyze SV. Um, just wanted to say we really appreciate the presentation today. Um, it cleared up a lot of the questions we had, uh, specifically around um, the project development agreement and how that kind of interacts with city fees. So we're glad to see that it seems like um, the, the city fees are still being paid in, which will provide additional benefit. Um, our members have reviewed this project twice, um, the first iteration in 2019 and then again last year. Um, and we really believe that this development agreement and the improvements uh, really shows that, that Google and the city have been listening to the community. And we appreciate kind of all of, all of the things that are, that are in it. Um, we also believe that, um, you know, as a really complex project, um, we want to allow our members to weigh in again. So we will be hosting another meeting um, to seek their feedback and, and kind of um, get their ideas um, and, and, and support and see if they support this project. And so um, I just wanted to say thank you for this and, and our members will be meeting on May 3rd uh, and, and kind of have more detailed feedback at that time. But this has been a great process and we really appreciate all the work that um, that everyone has put into it. So thank you. Thank you, Gavin. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Uh, next, we're going to go to Roland, followed by Corey. Roland, you're up. Oh, let's try that again, Roland. Does that work, Roland? There we go. Yeah, it works better when you unmute me. Thank you. You're welcome. So, uh, so first of all, um, amen to Kathy. I think she should run for council. I mean, let's just get real here. Um, and Kathy, you're going to be extremely pleased that if you look at the very latest uh, developments on the Google website, Cahill is essentially gone from downtown west. So this business of one side of the street doing one thing and the other side doing something else is probably not going to be happening on either side of whatever's left uh, of a Cahill. Uh, the sharp sparking, I don't understand the issue. I've read the development agreement very carefully. If the sharks are saying that 4,000 parking spaces is not enough, I would really like to get a better understanding of what the problem is. So I will be reaching out to them and, and show them the relevant section of the, uh, the, the development agreement. Now, Ed, I got some great news for you. The depot is saved. Nancy saved it. I'm going to send you the chapter and verse in this in the amended DSAP not in downtown west it's got nothing to do with google thank you nancy thank you kim thank you everybody else and last but not least jessica you'd be delighted to learn that all the issues 
have been resolved. All the preventive engineering, how wide we need to go, the elevations, the yada, 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 all that has been resolved, okay? We can share it to you anytime that you're ready for it. The depot is not going anywhere, but there is something missing in the development agreement. It would really, really help us if we could start planning for two high-speed underground platforms under downtown west. And the cost is not $7 billion. It's probably a lot less than $300 million. And it's going to take a lot less than three months to construct it once people get off their butts and basically start designing you know, the basics of what we need to put down there. Thank you. Thank you, Roland. Appreciate your time. Uh, next, we're going to go to Corey Smith, followed by Mitch. Corey, you should be able to unmute yourself. Thank you, and uh, thank you, everybody this, here this evening. My name is Corey Smith. I am with the Housing Action Coalition. We are a regional nonprofit that advocates for more homes at all income levels around the entire Bay Area. And we, we see a number of large mega projects, whatever you want to call it like this. And what you have in front of you is really the cream of the crop. And it's a testament to the work that all of you um, as members of the advisory group have put in, members of city staff and the community, um, getting to the table and, and figuring out what makes sense for everybody. So on behalf of our organization, uh, we wanna thank you for all of the work that you have put in and honestly congratulate you on an exemplary project. Um, for for the, the size of this community benefit package, for the infrastructure to be coming in, for the affordable housing to be coming in at no cost to the city is, I mean, absolutely a once in a lifetime transformative proposal. Um, and I hear so many folks talk about how this needs to be a standard for projects going forward from a, from a community perspective, from a conversation perspective. Uh, I think that, that that makes sense. From a financial perspective, it is difficult for any private development to match what you have in front of you. So um, again, just, just congratulations and thank you for all the work that you have put in uh, and we are excited to support. Thank you. Thank you, Corey. Uh, next, we're gonna go to Mitch Imakawa and followed by Blair. Mitch, you should be able to unmute yourself. Hi, thank you. My name is Mishi Makawa. I am a member of Unite Here Local 19. I am a baker pastry cook at Google and Sunnyvale, um, but I live here in San Jose. And just want to say having a union job has, with awesome healthcare, has made a huge difference for me and my family and my coworkers and their families. Um, I appreciate that Google has um, committed themselves to uh, quality service jobs and for um, a, let's see, create like uh, affordable housing here in San Jose at their future campus. Um, and just want to say I appreciate everything. As a service worker, this means that I can 
have a stable life here in San Jose. And I just want to thank you for your time. Thank you, Mish. Thanks so much. And I apologize for the mispronunciation of your name. No problem. Uh, <laughs> it's a nickname. It's short for Michelle. So. Okay, great. Thanks, Michelle. Have <laughs> thank a great you, night. Michelle. Thank you. Uh, Blair, you're up next. Uh, Blair, you should be able to meet yourself. Hi, Blair Beekman here. Uh, thank you for the meeting tonight. I was at another meeting. I will review this meeting. Uh, hopefully I can go over, practice my few informational items to, to help this process and uh, you can do with it what you can. Um, you know, the East Side issues are, are really important. Uh, I hope they were addressed tonight in some form. Uh, there's a historical uh, neighborhood going up in the uh, Stock Stockton Avenue area. There's been a lot of debate about that, how that can work. Uh, to address, you know, East Side issues into Google issues, I think can be really constructive and uh, hopeful. I hope that that's that was happening. Um, the idea that uh, uh, the future of high-speed rail may honestly be going through Alameda County in the future. To make that an open conversation and dialogue for people to understand uh, can be helpful. And uh, just to acknowledge that concept at this time. Uh, and uh, also that uh, uh, mention of, of, of the heights of buildings, like say through the uh, Southern Flyway corridor area of the runway airport area. I don't think those, those buildings can be over, you know, 120, 150 feet. Uh, you know, they have to be kind of low, but yet there's this fantasy going on. You can build them really high. I think we can build all around that and still create revenue and uh, income and, and not go for these ex ex over exorbitant heights. That I think it was described by Kathy, uh, she has in the past that she, she knows uh, this, this issue and, and I think saner heads need to prevail on this subject. And finally that uh, to come back to East Side issues, you know, I think we consider a lot of this as like uh, Google downtown is kind of like a, uh, a Vancouver kind of thing. I think we should be considering ideas of like Guadalajara, Mexico as how to build the future of Google downtown. And that, you know, we're counting on Google. Uh, they're a national security institute. We need to question that. And uh, that's about it. Thanks. Thank you, Blair. Thank you for your time and uh, always being with us at these meetings. Thanks so much. Have a good night. Uh, so with that, I don't see any other hands raised, members of the public. Um, so I believe we are actually at the end of our meeting and actually well ahead of schedule, which is amazing. Um, I want to turn it back over to city staff with any final thoughts or comments and to Saad for that matter, if you had any thoughts or comments before we wrap up. Nancy, I'll start with you. Thank you very, very much. Want to iterate, reiterate, uh, great thanks. Agree that it's the members of the community who show up and make their voices heard that truly makes a difference and also much appreciation for Google's leadership and listening, uh, as well as to our colleagues at City Hall who put in a ton of work into this. Thank you and, and look forward to seeing you either on Saturday or at Planning Commission or Council. Good night. Great, thank you so much. Good night all, have a great night. Thanks for joining us.